This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome, everyone. You're tuned in to the Pet Health Coach, the place for natural wellness for dogs and cats. And I'm Jody L. Teich, formerly Jody Miller Young, your host. My guest today is Brad Clintorn, and he's going to be talking about a foundational topic, something that all of us as pet parents need to know about food. He's the public outreach specialist for a raw food brand called Steve's Real Food that I'm a big fan of. You might ask, why would Steve's need a public outreach specialist dedicated specifically to sharing knowledge they've amassed since Steve started, which was in the early days of raw feeding, 1998? And that is because they have a wealth of it. I was listening to a raw food summit recently, and Joel Bardseth, another person from Steve's Real Food, gave a talk that was chock full of incredible information. And I study nutrition. Brad is chock full of incredible information, and that is why he's here today. So without further delay, we're going to get started. But first, we need to take a short break from our sponsor. So grab that healthy snack or beverage, get cozy, and we'll be right back. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to The Hound Healer, and I'm Jody L. Teich, your host. We're here today with Brad Clintorn of Steve's Real Food, and we're talking nutrition. So let's get to it. Hey, Brad. Hey, Jody. Thanks so much for having me on. I am so glad you're here. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here and talking about nutrition. That's one of my favorite things to soapbox about. <laughs> well, pet parents need to hear about it. It's confusing out there. The landscape is very, very crowded with all sorts of things. And it's hard for most pet parents to discern what is best. So I want to just dive right in. And because Steve's has been around a long time. You guys are one of the early ones. Let's talk about why. The story of Steve's. Why did it all begin back in 1998? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Steve's Real Food was actually the first of the commercial dog foods. It was founded uh, just before some of the other ones sprung up. So that's a, a pretty cool accolade. And um, I'm very happy to be part of this fantastic company that Steve Brown started way back then. So Steve Brown, he was one of the guys who got a peek behind the curtain of the large commercial dog food industry. And he said, no, this is not for me. This is, this is not what I want to be feeding my dogs. He knew he needed better for his own pack. 
Now, he was actually making his own raw food for a while. He saw lots of other people doing it and how amazing their animals were doing. But uh, it just wasn't easy. It wasn't affordable and it certainly wasn't convenient. And he knew that he needed it to become mainstream, I, I think, in order to uh, to fill his soul a little bit. You know, he just loves animals as much as the rest of us. And uh, I, I think he just needed that a little bit to make it available to folks. So he's a total nerd. I can relate. At one point, he actually had the largest database of nutrients and ingredients. I mean, this guy is super brilliant. Now, he's gone on to formulate for a bunch of other companies. He is a, uh, a guru in the industry. But I think the work he did at Steve's is his best work. And his Foods legacy. that he formulated. Yes, absolutely. Legacy. Yeah. Wow, that is unbelievable. I didn't know that he was the first. I didn't know that he formulates for others. So there's hope on a, on a broader scale. Um, a lot of incredible work to be proud of. So I mentioned earlier that I heard Joel speak at the Raw Food Summit. And he had incredible information to share, which I know that you also do. Tell my listeners some high points of why raw, how it affects the gut microbiome, and why that's so important to good health. Oh, man, that is a loaded question. I hope you have a couple hours to sit here and talk about that. You're all microbiome. <laughs> we have a 30-minute show, but we got to condense it. But for more info, I'll right. send them your and my way. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Now we've got a discussion. So just in very broad terms, raw food does provide some things that cooked food has a lot of trouble providing to animals. I know three of the big points that we always hit on enzymes. You know, you need to get some enzymes from your food. For hundreds of millions of years, animals have been eating foods that are loaded with enzymes that help you actually digest those foods. You know, our foods can do up to 50% of the work for us. And so we've never had to produce all of the digestive enzymes necessary for a whole lifetime of eating foods. So getting those from real, fresh, raw foods, so important. Moisture, that's another thing that is hugely important. So dogs and cats, they're used to getting about 70% moisture in the foods they eat. Their bodies expect it. Their digestion is optimized for it. Even we get about half of our daily moisture in the foods that we eat. But right now, with, with pets eating so much convenience food, they're getting just a really negligible amount of moisture in that food. And that just takes a huge toll on their bodies. You, you can imagine how it feels being dehydrated day after day after day after day after day. Yes. Yes. And it has real health benefits being in a constant state of dehydration, which is what dry food does. Absolutely. Yeah. So those are a couple of the, the big points that we always talk about whenever we, uh, the other thing is protein, available protein. Now, just because uh, you, there's protein written on the side of your bag of dry food doesn't mean all that protein is available to your pets. Up to a third of the protein in cooked foods is actually considered undigestible, or it's in a form that dogs and cats can no longer use. Dogs and cats are protein hungry. They need it for every single thing in their body. I mean, they're replacing 3.5 million cells or up to 3.5 million cells every single second. That takes a heck of a lot of protein. Yeah. A dog, uh, dog skin and coat uses just uses up to like 35% of the protein they eat every day. Wow. You can imagine how much they need for really optimal health. And when you take proteins and you cook them, you degrade their availability to the pets, you degrade how valuable they are. There are so many other benefits that raw food provides, but we always like mentioning those three. Those are really three big pillars of nutrition. 
Now we didn't even get to microbiome. So do you want me to do you want to do you want to start talking about microbiome? I just want to cut in with one thing that you mentioned first, which I want pet parents listening to really understand. Those live enzymes, they are critical in the proper absorption of all the nutrients, vitamins and minerals through the wall of the small intestine. And you might think, well, yeah, I can give my my dog or my cat digestive enzymes, you know, out of a tub or a, you know, a jar. It's not the same thing. It is not the same thing, guys. So these live enzymes, which out of that tub and out of that jar in a capsule are not, is what is going to deliver those vitamins and minerals, those nutrients in the best, most able to be assimilated form. Right, Brad? Absolutely. Yeah. And the enzymes coming in through these foods are the appropriate enzymes to help digest these foods. So you're not just throwing a bunch of enzymes in there and hoping that some of them will do a good job. Instead, they're already there. They're already present. When you're adding enzymes back, you're trying to recreate, you're trying to play nature. And we're not very good at playing nature. And we're learning this more and more as we go. Well, the body is so intricate, complex, and incredible at doing its job if we get out of its way. I think you have to talk at least a little about the gut microbiome. Oh, man. Let parents know what it is and why it's so important. I do. Absolutely. Microbiome, is anytime you talk about bacteria, this is uh, one of my passions. And so I'm going to really try to keep it limited because I will dive way too deep if you let me. We can um, do that yeah. <laughs> so microbiome basically describes all of the microbes that are living inside of you and more specifically inside of kind of your digestive tract is really what we focus on usually when we when we talk about microbiome. And that can include, you know, you have lots of different little biomes in your body, your mouth has a totally different microbe dominance than your stomach, which has a totally different microbe dominance than your small intestine, your large intestine, etc. You know, you are this, this beautiful universe that is full of just trillions of microbes. And a lot of these microbes are doing their best to help you thrive because you are their world, quite literally. And so I was thinking of a good analogy for a microbiome. And uh, what I came up with, one that I really like, is it's basically like a spacesuit. It's inside you, sure, but it's basically like a spacesuit. So a spacesuit, it offers you protection from things around you. That's what your microbiome does in part. It protects you from bacteria, pathogenic bacteria. It protects you from viruses. But then it also provides you with life support. Okay, because your microbiome is breaking down nutrients that you cannot break down. You know, as much as we'd like to believe we can do everything on our own, the truth is we can't. We are, we have a whole team inside of us. And th these microbes can actually break down nutrients that we can't access. They can stick those nutrients together into things that we ourselves cannot make, but we do need. So they're providing just this awesome life support dynamic as well. One really good example I like to make, I won't run away with this for too long, but serotonin. We all love serotonin, right? I mean, it's a neurotransmitter and hormone that uh, it affects happiness. It affects your sleep. It affects your appetite, your feelings of well-being. It affects anxiety. Now, we produce 90% of our serotonin in our gut. When you don't have the good bacteria in your gut, you can produce up to 60% less serotonin. So you take all that happiness, all that good sleep, all that digestion, all that stuff, throw it right out the window. Now that is a huge quality of life difference. And that's just one tiny little example out of an entire universe that's going on inside of your gut. So uh, encouraging a diverse, healthy microbiome 
that is also species appropriate is so important. This is going to be really big in the next coming years. You're going to start seeing more and more specialized probiotics, more and more things dedicated to building up and encouraging a healthy microbiome in humans and pets. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you said what you said and you said it beautifully. It's being realized more and more that it's the center of everything when it comes to health and that vagus nerve mm -hmm. that runs from the gut to the brain, the hotline, they talk all day long. Absolutely. You know? yes. And if you have a, an imbalanced gut microbiome, it is affecting everything that your brain is telling your body to do. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's it's very deep for for pets and their people. And I encourage everyone listening to look deeper into this and to take it seriously, because it could be balancing your gut could make conditions that you've experienced or your pet have, has experienced for years fall away, literally like magic. Health issues um, or, or behavioral issues. Yes, emotional or behavioral issues. I mean, I found that with my students. They've had chronic conditions with their dogs for years, ear infections, eye infections, gut issues. Just a change in diet alone has been the catalyst to resolving these things. So I used to work with a lot of young people and they would eat Taco Bell for every meal or, you know, Arby's for every meal. You know, they're eating just junk food. And they're dealing with constant, just crushing anxiety. They're, they're dipping into depression. And it, this is a huge factor in that. It has the potential. Now, you, you may have already talked about this at, in one of your previous episodes, but I always love just calling this little one out. So there's a group who went around and they tested the microbiome dominance of different dogs who were in shelters. And they found that the more aggressive dogs, the dogs who were more fearful or aggressive, had a different microbiome dominance than the dogs who were family friendly and happy. And that's just, uh, it, it, that one is so powerful to me that you could directly affect somebody's mood, somebody's quality of life, just from the bacteria in their gut. I did not know about that study. That is really interesting. I'm going to look into that more. Thank you. Yeah, it was a small group of dogs, but it's the tip of the iceberg. I mean, it, it's just telling us what we know. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely believe that. Um, so let's talk, Steve, some more. And what makes it such a special raw food company? It was early, early on, the first. There's a very crowded field today. What keeps it special? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things about raw food is raw food does not mean food-based. Just because you have a, a raw food, there are lots of raw foods on the market, that are not necessarily food-based. Now, they do have lots of whole foods in them. They may be 95, 98% real ingredients, but then you look at the ingredient label and they're adding a ton of synthetic supplements. They're adding um, all of this man-made stuff. And at Steve's, we don't believe in that. We want to get absolutely all of the nutrients from real foods. And so if you look at the backs of any of our bags, it's all food. Okay, the only thing that we add to any of our diets is taurine, and that's a natural source of taurine. Everything else is coming from real whole foods. And that's one of the things that really drew me to Steve's because for a long time, we have, uh, we've been treating food like we know everything there is to know about it, and we can recreate it just fine in a lab. And the truth is we don't. We're still learning stuff all the time. And if we would just eat real natural foods, 
we wouldn't have so many of the problems that we have today. And the same thing is happening in the pets world. In fact, it's happening much, much worse right now in the pets world because they eat such homogenized diets. They're eating the same thing every single day. So getting your nutrients from real actual foods is one of the things that just absolutely drew me to Steve's. But there is so many other cool things at every single level. Um, goat milk. We, we include goat milk in every one of our foods. I think that is so cool. Not only is it a terrific source of um, natural nutrients, I mean, it is so rich, but the probiotics in the goat milk also offer an amazing boost to our foods and to the pets who are eating them. So I think that is so cool. I love cool. it. I give it to my dogs all the time. Yeah. yeah. My favorite, ingredient, my favorite ingredient in our food is kelp. Now, I know there are a few other brands who are using kelp, but I love kelp. Kelp has like 70 different micronutrients that we need in order to thrive. It has them in fantastic ratios, very bioavailable. It's just fantastic stuff. I actually take it out and I feed it to my soil often so that my plants can grow more nutritious so they can feed me and I'll be more nutritious for the animal that eats me. I love that. That's fantastic. Tell my listeners what options Steve's offers in terms of food. And we might also talk about our kitty cat pet parent in there. Well, we have to. We actually yeah. have to talk about the kitty cat parents because all of our diets are formulated for both dogs and cats. Beautiful. If you look at their natural diets, they're very similar in a lot of ways. Now, cats would be eating more prey than dogs, but otherwise, they're eating a lot of the same stuff and the nutrient needs are very similar. There's some minor tweaks you have to make to make it nutritionally balanced for cats, but it's easy to do that and it doesn't, it, it's good for the dogs as well. So all of our diets are both dog and cat formulas. Now our original diets, these are available in frozen and freeze dried. These are all 80% meat and 20% really purposeful produce, you know, and there's, there's really cool stuff in there like watermelon. I get people asking me, well, why do you have watermelon in your food? What is that doing in there? But you know, watermelon is an amazing source of nutrients. It's a great source of minerals, a good source of copper, but it also contains um, these really cool little micronutrients. Um, it actually helps your muscles recover faster. You know, everything we put in our foods is playing multiple, multiple, multiple parts. And that's something I love about Steve's. But we have our original formulas. Those are 80, 20. And then we have our prey model diets. So our prey model diets are available in either 20 pound bulk boxes. And these are prey model kind of really oriented toward dogs, but they're fine for dogs and cats. And then we have our quest line and our quest line is made really with cats in mind. They're very small little bites. These are 95% meat, 5% natural supplements like kelp and goat milk. And uh, there's no produce in those because cats are obligate carnivores. And we want to celebrate that and honor that within that species. Yeah, my cat won't go near a vegetable. <laughs> right, absolutely. Oh, I, I love watching the videos of cucumbers and cats, you know, and that's exactly how a cat should be reacting to vegetables. Oh, what is that? <laughs> Does not compute. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. That sounds wonderful. We may be talking more about cats offline. We are going to stop for a very short commercial break. But when we get back, there's something very important that I want Brad to share with you, and it's about something called HPP. What is HPP? It is high pressure pasteurization, and it's something that some raw food companies are doing to their food to make sure that 
pathogens that they don't want to pass on to immune compromised people or people and animals in general, mostly people, but people and animals in general, that it's not passed on. But it's a controversial subject. And Brad is going to shed light for us on this. That's very important for you to know. So refresh that healthy snack or beverage, get cozy, and we'll be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back. If you've just joined, I'm Jody L. Teich of The Hound Healer, and we're here today with Brad Clinthorn from Steve's Real Food, and we're about to dive into a really important conversation about HPP, high pressure pasteurization. What is it? And what does it mean when it's done to raw food? Is it still nutritious? Does it take away? So Brad, let's dive into this because it is controversial. It absolutely is. Yeah. And I, I do want to uh, actually point out a term difference. So it is um, the term that we use is high pressure processing. Pasteurization can refer to really kind of a sterilization technique. And though high pressure processing can be used for sterilization, it's not always used for sterilization. Great. Thank you for that. Go tell us. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk about the controversy. Yes. Yes. Okay. So because there, there's plenty of that out there. And then how Steve's has responded to be the best that it can be for its pet parents. Yeah. So um, a lot of the facts about HPP that people are concerned about I don't want to say they're outdated, but they really do date back to kind of the beginning of when it was when it started to be used for raw foods in the pet industry. So when companies first started trying to adopt it and Steve's was not involved with it, then in fact, they had a stance against HPP, like a lot of folks. When companies started implementing HPP way back when, they were not doing it in a way that was really mindful toward keeping the foods raw. Now, anytime you put food under pressure or anything under pressure, the temperature raises as well. And so this is something that wasn't really thought about um, in the pet food industry. And so as the pressure was raised on these foods that are being HPP'd, they would become partially cooked. And so that's where a lot of us think of these totally denatured foods with this gummy texture, this weird color, you know, all of this stuff. It kind of goes back to the, the early days of HPP. And anytime you, you go back to the early days, you're going to see a lot of issues um, and you're going to have people who are fighting it. I guarantee when we first invented screws way back when, people said, you know, we don't need screws. 
these things don't work well. They don't hold well. They, the shape is strange. You know, people are going to really, really dig in their heels about anything at the beginning. And if you go back, you know, early enough, you will find lots and lots of issues. Mm -hmm. Like iterating to awesome. But you guys are doing something that most, if not all, other raw food companies are not doing. Correct. I don't even know if they're aware of it. This is what I really want them to understand. Yeah. And let's not tell them. We're not going to tell anyone today. That was a great show. Bye, guys. Just kidding. Yeah. So, Steve's, we did have a stance against HPP, but we did also recognize that we need some safety practices in place. And so we did our research and we came to the conclusion that HPP is actually could had had the potential to be the very best way to control pathogens in food to make sure you are not putting out a product that has bacteria that could cause issues for anybody. And so we spent over two years working directly with a high pressure processing company, tweaking, dialing in, making changes. We really fine tuned this process into what I call gentle HPP. So we're using a lower hold time than most other companies. We're using a lower pressure and we keep the temperature very, very low, which nowadays keeping the temperature lower with raw foods is pretty standard. But our low pressure, low hold time ensures that we did, val we did a validation study and made sure that all of the pathogenic bacteria is being destroyed. But we also wanted to make sure that the probiotics, the good bacteria, was surviving the process. And here's the beautiful thing, that the good bacteria is not as pressure sensitive. And so by very fine-tunedly dialing it in, we still have a food that has tons of probiotics in the food after the HPP process. The good bacteria is actually surviving the process. Not only that, but we looked for enzymes and we also looked at all of the nutrients before and after. Now the enzymes are still active and still in the food. And the nutrients, you can go on our website, now you can find all of this summarized on our website, but you can go on our website and you can see the nutrient differences before and after HPPing. And there, was a, there were four nutrients that declined a little more than we would like. They were still well above AFCO minimums because we believe more in optimal levels than minimum levels. But there were four nutrients that we did see declines in by increasing the muscle meat just a little bit and by increasing the organ meat and a little bit more liver and then decreasing the bone in our diets, we were actually able to get right back to where we wanted to be with all of those nutrients. So again, HPP is something that's very controversial, but a lot of the controversy is based on kind of the older, more archaic HPP. These days, it's being taken to whole new levels that provide really, really safe food. It provides us with serious peace of mind, and it also leaves the food intact, natural, and minimally processed. Well, it sounds like the best of both worlds with what you've been able to sort of micro-scientifically create with the process that you do. And that's incredible. And that really needs to get out there more because, well, I know it's a, it's a wonderful, you know, Steve's secret, so to speak, part of your secret sauce. It's something that I think is a, an issue, especially if you are a immunocompromised individual and you might want to feed raw, but you're afraid. So yeah, I think that's amazing. I encourage everyone to go on stevesrealfood.com and look uh, for this study. It was a two-year study, as Brad mentioned. And you know, this way you'll know when these articles come up, like I've found, 
that talk about it and even try and talk about it responsibly with both sides. The information that they're presenting is old information. And there is a way to do this now. One really quick question before we move on, and that is when you increase the muscle meat, decrease the bone, increase the organ meat, is it still in the ratio, the quantities ratio that is best for our animals while still now allowing the profile to be what we want it to be? Yeah. All of these tweaks were very minor. All of these foods are rich in these micronutrients. So adding, we were able to do this just by making very small adjustments. So yes, everything else is still right in the range where we want it. And again, one of the things that drew me to uh, Steve's was Steve Brown's belief in optimal ratios of nutrients and not just minimums, not just passing the AFCO minimums and saying, okay, we did it. Good job, guys but actually trying to fine tune what is the best level for our animals. And of course, nobody has the answer to that, but um, by, by feeding them completely with natural foods, I think we're getting closer than a lot of other folks. Well, I think this is a perfect segue into success stories because the proof is in the pudding. You know, if you see an animal, your animal, going from having one level of energy to a whole different level of energy and vibrancy and conditions resolving, et cetera, and so forth. That tells you something. So I'd love for you to share, you know, one or two, like of your favorite success stories from your experience. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first I want to share my own story because this is what has me sitting here today. This is what blew my mind. So I came from, uh, well, I came from the film industry, but after that, I came from pet retail. So I worked in pet retail stores for, I don't know, about eight years, maybe six or eight years. And I saw a lot of changes in animals when I would transition their foods, but I was still using a lot of kibbles. I was using a lot of cooked foods. And so finally, my wife and I were talking and we said, why don't we try raw food for our own dogs? Why don't we just give it a test? So I have a golden retriever. He is 100 pounds. He was 110 at the time that we were doing this. And this takes place about six years ago. So he was four years old. His name is Chucky. And Chuck was doing great. He just had a lot of your standard four-year-old golden stuff going on. You know, he had the beginnings of gum disease. Most dogs over the age of three have it. Um, He had some tarnishing building up on his teeth, little ridge of inflammation around the edge of his gums. He was a little bit overweight. Like I said, he was sitting around 110. He, um, his energy was already declining a little bit. And I mean, this is a four-year-old golden and he had that golden grease where you pet him and you want to go wash your hands. Right. And so we decided we're just going to try out some raw food. So I got a box of Steve's one box of Steve's had 27 patties in it, made it really easy to give him one patty a day. Now it's only 20% of his calories. It's not a ton of food, but it is some fresh food in a completely otherwise cooked diet. So near the end of the month, I'm out playing with him in the yard and I catch this glimpse of tooth that's whiter than I remember. And so I made him sit and I go over and pull up his cheek, beautiful pearly whites. All that tarnishing that had started building up was gone. I didn't have to lift a brush. That um, inflammation, that ridge of inflammation around the edge of his gums, also gone. Solid, beautiful pink meat in those pearly whites. He had already lost a little bit weight, a little bit of weight. And he seemed just younger and a little springier. You could just tell he was happier. And all this is from 20% of his diet. But my favorite part, a couple weeks later, that golden grease started to fade away. It's now a thing of the past. I can pet him head to tail and go right back to eating my burger, all from just 20% of his diet. 
And that's something that I reiterate time and time again. It's not all or nothing. Okay, if all you're eating is McDonald's, it never, ever hurts to pick up an apple once in a while. Get some real fresh food, the food you were designed to be eating into your life. Of course, I like to include a few larger stories as well, because my own experience is one dog, whereas we do have some really amazing stories of what happens when you switch larger populations of dogs to raw foods. So first off, really quick story. I love this one. There's another guy in the industry who, um, who tells this, uh, has direct experience with this, and he's just such a cool dude. But there is a guide dog group out in Australia. They have 216 dogs. Now, this takes place years ago. They switched all 216 of their dogs to a raw food diet. Now, the guide dog groups in Australia, they feed kibble from one of the major manufacturers that we also have here in the States. Um, so this group went rogue. They switched all 216 of their dogs to a raw food diet. In the first year alone, they saved $80,000 in vet bills. That's over $400 per dog, right? Absolutely. To me, that just, that says it all right there. I think there. every pet parent can relate to that one. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I will take the savings at the pump. Thank you very much. Yes. Do we have time for one more quick one? Yes, of please. Of course, I want to tell the uh, wildlife sanctuary yes, story. It's a great yes, one. absolutely. Yeah. So in Minnesota, there's a great place called the Wildlife Science Center. This is a relocation center for wolves. These are wolves that can't be left in the wild. And this place has been open since the 70s, I believe. Now, they were feeding a standard kibble, a scientific kibble, just like a lot of the other wolf rescues and things like that. And when funding ran out, it was taken over by a woman named Peggy Callahan. Now, Peggy's cool because she had this dream of putting all the animals on raw food. Now, you can imagine the bill. They have over 200 wolves, I think. Over 200 wolves on raw food. Woo! I don't know where she was getting her money, but she made a deal. She made a deal with the DNR. She got all of the roadkill deer within 110 miles of the sanctuary. That is awesome. So she took all of these wolves and she moved them from kibble to real, fresh, species-appropriate raw food. And she'd include things like old berries, wildflowers, grasses, all of the natural stuff that a dog should be eating. Before she made this change, her wolves weighed about 120 pounds average. They were living 12 to 13 years. Near the end of their life, they'd see some allergies, some arthritis, some dental issues. After she switched to raw food, they now live 18 to 20 years. That's an extra 50%. They average 135 pounds. They've gained 15 pounds of lean muscle. No allergies, no arthritis, no dental issues. That is what we're doing here today. That is the power of real, whole living species appropriate food. And she actually, um, right now, when she rears wolf pups, she weans them off of uh, mama's milk right onto Steve's real food because she knows that it will help nourish them into, it's a very well-balanced diet, so it'll help nourish them into good, strong adults. I love it, Brad. It works. And again, I encourage you to look into this more. Tell people where they can find you. Yeah. So if you go on stevesrealfood.com, we have put a lot of um, energy into building a very robust, very powerful store locator. So you can find stores anywhere you are. Now, 
If you have issues finding a store, reach out to our customer service department on stevesrealfood.com. We have a fantastic young woman who runs, um, answers all of the emails and takes care of any inquiries on there. And she can help get you sorted and hooked up with some food. Perfect. And what about on social, Brad? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Steve's Real Food on Facebook, Steve's Real Food on Instagram. I, I think we even have a TikTok. So check us out. We're, we're all over the place. And I know we are growing our online presence like crazy. So hopefully you'll start seeing us pop up left and right. Beautiful. Thank you so much. My Annabelle, who was pawing my leg to come up, thanks you because she is a Steve's Raw Food dog. Oh, right. She is so cute. Um, yeah, I've been using Steve's Real Food for many, many years for my, my babies. And if you go to your store, this is what I found when I moved to Texas, to Austin. My store didn't have it all the time, but they can order it. So anytime I wanted something, they would order it for me. And within a week or so, it would be there. Yep. So there's that option as well. Yep, absolutely. I ran an independent pet store for years and special orders all day, every day. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's part of the uh, part of the job. So exactly. Thank you so much, Brad. This has been really eye-opening, hopefully for pet parents listening and such important information to share. Thank you much, Jody. Thank you. Yes. And thank you all for listening. As a natural pet wellness coach, it is my mission to make sure that you have information on your choices and options so that you can help your pet be the healthiest and live the longest. So tune in next time for information, expert interviews, conversations, and tips to help those animals we love. I'm Jody L. Teich, and this is the Pet Health Coach. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.